This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking. It's a show about the most interesting people and stories in Mississippi. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey of Mississippi Today. This past year, many families faced major changes in their day-to-day lives because of the coronavirus disease known as COVID-19. With all the unknowns that came with this new virus, many people felt anxious about the what-ifs and the future. But this stress does not just affect us adults. It also affects children and teens who are also risk for anxiety. So today we're going to welcome co-authors, Dr. Robika Milroy, Dr. Rachel Whitaker, and Dr. Anna Shelby to discuss their new children's book, Are You Masking? Feelings About COVID-19. And we're going to welcome our guests in just a bit. But first, let's catch up with Michelle in the weekly roundup. Michelle, I haven't talked to you in a million years. How are you? <laughs> it feels like a million years, but uh, yes, it's been a while. You had a... Family vacation, Father's Day, you've been out and about in the world, and I've been here in the studio working my butt off. No. <laughs> oh, my God, let's get the violins playing. No, just kidding. You have been really working hard, so I was just giving you a hard time. But, yeah, no, there was, um, you know, it's funny because we planned this vacation, oh, I don't know, a little bit before last year, and then this little thing that we're going to be talking about today, COVID-19, came around. So we had to, everything got canceled because everything out in California where we flew out to got shut down because of the pandemic. And so it was nice to be able to complete the trip. And what we try to do is when the boys graduate, we say, okay, where do you want to go? And so they tell us and we, you know, we find all the coins in our sofa and try to scrape together <laughs> all the, the change we can and be able to buy the tickets and, and um, we go. And so we flew to San Francisco, which was wonderful. We had a good time there for a couple of days. And then we went to Yosemite uh, National Park, which I, I tell you, a lot of people see pictures or you see it in movies. It just pictures don't do it justice because there's it's such a grand scale it's so huge i mean all the monuments el capitan half dome and the waterfalls and so it was just really beautiful and i mean i'm walking in this alpine meadow at 8500 feet which is way up there and it's you know we're standing in this crystal blue snow-fed lake you know it's just so it was so surreal and so beautiful well from there we went to monterey because my youngest son wanted to go to the aquarium this world famous aquarium there and we went and saw the sea lions and we drove on the 17 mile drive which has some near pebble beach which is where the the big famous golf course is and you see a lot of the things like the lone cypress that's out on the little cliff that's out in the middle of the ocean it's really pretty and then we drove down highway one and there's a very famous bridge called bixby bridge and so i i did some paintings actually of some of these sites that we went on but I tell you, it was really neat. Um, Amy and I had lived in San Diego before we lived um, here in Mississippi 25 years ago. And, of course, San Diego is down in Southern California. But still, it was one of the first times we've been back to California in many years. And it was a great trip. Really, it was fun, a lot of great food. And, you know, it was a chance for the three boys and us to be together in a minivan. And, you know, I had the back surgery, and, and I did okay. But toward the end, I started getting a little bit uh, having some issues and so forth, but I was just so glad I was able to make the trip. That was great. And um, Father's Day just passed. Happy 
belated Father's Day to all the fathers. I hope you felt Amen. appreciated yesterday. I know a lot of talk has been going around saying mothers get a big Mother's Day and fathers are forgotten, but you are not forgotten. We really love our fathers and we talk about them and we appreciate you. Speaking of Father's Day, how was yours? Well, I wrote a little piece for my newsletter that comes out every Sunday for, for Mississippi Today about how you know, Father's Day, being a father is pretty easy, actually, and I'm not going to go into the details because some of you just ate breakfast, but the point is, being a father is easy, being a dad's hard, and um, my father was a dad. He he was just a great dad, and that's kind of what, and I don't know if I'm a great dad or not, I'll be honest with you, but that's what I strive for, and I'm just so glad that you know, I've got the three boys that I've got because they really make being a dad a lot of fun. And so that's it, it was a fun day yesterday. My my oldest son starting his internship up in Huntsville, Alabama uh, today. So he had to leave early yesterday. So we had my Father's Day dinner on Saturday. Um, we cooked some steaks, and it was really nice. We just did it here. And then uh, we had a big breakfast, and I opened my gifts. And I got some flip-flops with a bottle opener on it, which I thought was a terribly handy gift considering I can't tie shoes right now so it's kind of a nice thing to have flip-flops and uh so it was just a, my my kids grew, did a great job my youngest son got me a really cool pelican kite that you stick in the ground that has a little windmill on it that goes around and around and around so i think he may have done that for himself i think he, he kind of thought it was cool so but that's okay <laughs> uh but i didn't get a tie which is good i was gonna I, say that uh at least you didn't get a tie but you know what ties are i mean they oh, have some really cool. nice nice ties nowadays. I mean, so I need it. I need some new ties. Need, to be see, you needed you. some new ties. So, I mean, God, you needed a tie. <laughs> I needed a tie, but you know, to be honest with you, I, I haven't worn long pants in about a year. So, so you, you, don't know, need, you don't need a tie right now. I, well, you know, I, well, I do. It's funny because you know I do a lot of Zoom interviews and everything, mm-hmm. and you know, of course, they only see you from the waist up. So you know, as long as I have my tie, I look good. It, right, it's right. Shorts of the matter, but but anyway, it was a great Father's Day, and I appreciate Amy and the boys for 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 making me feel special. But they do that 365 days a year. That's wonderful. And speaking of Father's Day, last Monday. Uh, while you were out, I actually put together a Father's Day special show for fathers that we've talked to in Mississippi. So um, if you want to hear that show, you can listen to that on podcast at mpbonline.org or on your favorite podcast app. So I just put together a lot of great men in Mississippi interviews that uh, we've had over the years. And of course, um, it was a great show. And uh, we've talked to some great men over the years in Mississippi. And I'm sure we will speak with more. And But today, we have great ladies on the show. <laughs> ladies, girl power, doing great things, writing books, healing the minds and doing all types of things. They do, I call them super women. They do everything from counseling to now writing books, children's books and things like that. I can't wait for you to talk to these ladies. Uh, But before we get into that, speaking of a great man and men of Mississippi, former mayor of Jackson, Dale Danks, he did pass away at age 81. Um, Marshall, tell us about your uh, experience with Dale Danks. You know, he wasn't mayor. I mean, Kane Ditto was finishing up his term as mayor of Jackson when I started as a cartoonist at the Clarion Ledger a million years ago. But Kane Ditto is one of those kind of people. I mean, um, Dale Danks was one of those kind of people that just was around and doing all kinds of things. He was a judge up in Madison and so forth. And, of course, he, he, he helped Frank Melton during all the Frank Melton time. So I did draw him quite a bit during the Frank Melton uh, mayorship uh, during that time, which – 
you know, that was four years when I could have basically done a Frank Belton cartoon every single day. But I liked Dale, and I liked Dale because he was interesting. Um, he was smart. He, he was uh, even if he disagreed with you, it was always an interesting conversation. And you know, he did a really good job. And a lot of people said this when he passed away about what a good job he did during the flood of 79, which of course was a a huge catastrophe for the city of Jackson and for a lot of areas downstream along the Pearl River. But, you know, he he was just a very colorful guy. And I'm not talking about his ever-present awesome George Hamilton-esque tan that he always had. Uh, In fact, I did a a series called Election Man, and he was Tan Man in that one, so that was was his superhero (laughs) name. You know what? He He was handsome. He had a good sense of humor. He He was very handsome to me. I I don't know if that's just me, but he was very handsome. I don't know. Well, I I was going to say he was just gorgeous, but I I figured I would let you say that. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds funny coming from you. (laughs) A little, little, well, you never know. But it's funny. You're right. And he was, but he was very distinctive and very easy to draw on that too. But he was a neat guy. And like I said, there's, there's some people when they pass away at age 81, you think, oh, they passed away too soon. And that's kind of the way you feel about Dale Dank. She's like, well, you know, it would have been kind of neat to have a little bit more at him. And definitely my, my prayers are with his, his family and his loved ones and, and really everybody who knew him because I know there's a lot of people that have very fond memories of him. But, yeah, it's uh, I wish I had been the cartoonist when he had been mayor. I have a feeling it would have been an awful lot of fun. Speaking of fun, uh, I can't wait to bring our guest in. We're going to take a quick break and then come back and talk about this fun children's book that talks about some really, really serious issues about anxiety and COVID-19. And they'll talk about what the future holds for their series as well. So I can't wait to talk about that. I think it's a book that's needed for this time. You know, I talk to a lot of people and they're like, they don't realize how stressed they are, particularly kids and teens as well. So we're going to take that first break. And when we return, we're going to welcome our guest to discuss the new children's book, Are you masking feelings about COVID-19? So stay tuned. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. contractor ever tell you the price of something and it sounds so high you think "Eh, maybe i'll try it myself some jobs just aren't that difficult and yes you can do it if you want to find out how to do those things listen to fix it 101 podcast everywhere this is an mpb think radio podcast you're listening to now you're talking with marshall ramsey on mpb think radio to call the show Dial one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or email Marshall at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio. The information presented on this program is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult an appropriate professional for guidance about your concerns. 
This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. I am editor-at-large with Mississippi Today, and you can see my cartoons there as well. Hey, today our guests are co-authors of the new children's book titled, Are You Masking Feelings About COVID-19? So let's welcome back to the show Dr. Robika Milroy, Dr. Rachel Whitaker, and Dr. Anna Shelby. I tell you what, it's so nice to have you all back on the show today. It's been a while, and believe me, I think your book is perfectly timed for the, the moment of history that we're living in. So welcome back. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Ah, it's my pleasure. Last time you were here, we were discussing the relationship between mental health and nutrition. Um, definitely a show that I got an awful lot out of. I appreciate you all talking about that. Now you've published a children's book. Um, how's that going? I think it's going well. I mean, I, I, we have a lot of people um, telling us how this is such a needed thing, as y'all were saying earlier. And um, I'm part-time, part-time school counselor, and the kids that I talk to are still worried about getting COVID, about you know, family members, and um, and so. And you know, one thing we said is that this is not. This is about. COVID, the anxiety behind COVID, but it's also about anxiety in general and how how to to work through it and helpful for parents as well. I, I tell you, I, I think and that I think you touched on anxiety in general. I think this last year is literally like being in a pressure cooker. I always thought about the pressure cookers my grandmother used to use to cook her green beans in, and it's and it's kind of like that. Whether it's jobs or, or COVID, worrying about getting COVID, worrying about having to change, you know, it's it's just been crazy. Rebecca, I think probably a good place to start would just be go to tell a little bit about you. Oh, sure. Um, well, I um, am Rebecca Milroy, and I um, am a, I have my PhD in counseling, um, got my bachelor's in psychology from Millsaps. I'm from Tupelo, Mississippi, and um, I am currently a um, full-time distance clinical professor with Lamar University. Out, uh, that's out of um, Beaumont, Texas. And then I work part-time as a, um, as a school counselor at St. Anthony's Catholic School uh, here in, in Madison, um, and I um, and I have uh, a daughter, Lalitha, and she was the muse for for this book. Um, when we say Lala, that the main character, it's based on her and um, and kind of her experiences and a combination of of children and, and everything. And I um, am one of the researchers on the, the nutrition mental health connection. We're still working on that and um, got good results from, from the, from, from our study and statistically significant results. And so we're, we're going forward with that. Um, and then um, and I live here in Madison with my wonderful husband, Eric and um, Lolita and our two cats. <laughs> oh, very cool. Did y'all have a good weekend? I take it with Father's Day. We did. We did. We had a great relaxing weekend. Excellent. And of course, we also have with us Dr. Rachel Whitaker and Dr. Anna Shelby. Rachel, you're on the line. If you're on the line, tell us a little bit about you. Yes. Good morning. Um, I'm Rachel Whitaker. I got my master's at Delta State University, Go Okra. I got my PhD in counselor education at Mississippi State, which go dogs, especially today. And I met my wonderful <laughs> husband um, in Mississippi at Delta State, and we moved um, to Houston. I'm currently uh, the program director for the master's in counseling at the University of Houston, and I'm a clinical assistant professor. Oh, very cool. Now, my wife and I, when we got married, we moved to Conroe, Texas, but we used to visit Kingwood because that's where the mall was before they built it in the woodlands. So anyway, know a little bit about where you're at. I hope you're enjoying your time down in Texas. Yes, we love it here. Um, we just bought a house right at the beginning of the pandemic, and we live in Kingwood. So. 
Oh, very cool. Just as long as you're no, nowhere near the San Jacinto River, you'll be fine, right? <laughs> uh, yes, that's what I hear. So. <laughs> that's definitely. Uh, Dr. Anna Shelby's with us as well. Dr. Shelby, thank you for joining us today. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes, good morning. Thanks so much for having us. Um, my name is Anna Shelby, and I'm here. I'm from Jackson originally, went to Millsaps for my undergraduate, and then got my master's at Mississippi College, and then my Ph.D. at state um, and I'm in private practice in Ridgeland, Mississippi at Mindful Therapy. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Um, I tell you what, I just we'll just go ahead and open up and y'all can jump in and answer these as you feel fit. But how do you think the last year with COVID and the social, we had social unrest on top of that and then there was some political culture unrest as well has impacted our society and also how has that impacted our children's mental health? Oh, absolutely. Um, that's my, been my experience. And I've, I've been doing some at the school, I've been doing some, um, a lot, a lot of work with anxiety with the, with the kids and ways to, um, coping skills for anxiety and, um, seeing a lot of kids about their, um, feelings about COVID. And I've been doing some data on, you know, surveying them and just seeing how they felt throughout. And it seems like, you know, what I've noticed the trend is, is that, um, they, they still feel anxious, but, at, but now they have some coping skills to help them. Um, and some of them, even their, their pets have gotten COVID their um, uh, grant, they're so worried about their grandparents, you know, lots of different things that just impact them and um, make them, make it hard to concentrate in school and hard to, and they, they feel all this pressure and, you know, of course, wearing masks, they know it's, it's important, but then it's also just a lot and it's, it's just so different for them. And I see it from a secondary place, being an educator. Um, I, I have students who come to me who are worried about their own children or they see things going on in the schools. And so I see it too from a different perspective as being an educator and seeing my students who are counselors in training, um, who are also reaching out and having concerns and how they can support their families through this time. And then how we transitioned online and then developing counselors in the field who are going out and literally going to be working towards the second pandemic, which is going to be the mental health ramifications that we're going to be dealing with over the next few years. Well, I tell you, it's, you know, I mean, I could just tell you on a personal front, if you think about it, I mean, and I've worked from home and I was very lucky that I was able to do that just for safety's sake. But, you know, you realize suddenly that we're very social animals and I know our children are too. And when they're not around other kids and when we're not around other people, I mean, I, I literally struggle to carry on a conversation now <laughs> after a year. And when I do see somebody new, I talk their arm and leg off. And it's like, if you're not my family, I'm going to really talk to you for a long time. <laughs> it's like, I, you're a new person. Yay. You know, that sort of thing. I mean, I think it got to the point where my dog was talking back to me a little bit. Do you believe that, do you believe this is a long-term impact um, on the year? I mean, this is, is this something you think we're going to bounce back from quickly, or do you think that this is something particularly for our kids is going to be take a long time for them to recover from? Ooh, I think that's a loaded question. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. I, I don't know the answer to that. And I would, I would presume that every family, every state's going to be different contingent on where people live and parents, schools, the impact that it may have had or didn't have on certain individuals. But I think what's unique about Lala's story in, in the book is that we address multiple kids who are dealing with um, the aftermath or the current emotions that they're going through with dealing with COVID. 
and what that's going to look like either present in, in the past or in the future. And all of them are walking different paths of feelings um, through COVID and the things that have happened. And so to answer your question, this is what that book is about. Um, it's to allow families and children to explore what that's going to look like in their unique environments and um, how we can support their emotional walk through a children's book. Yeah, what, what it sounds great, what the book sounds great uh, to do, what I mean, what it sounds like it's going to be really wonderful is to be able to start that conversation with your kids. Absolutely. And, and I think one of my favorite things is it um, uses a lot of counselor-friendly words. So it's not just for families and children. This is also for school counselors who are going to have all these kids that are starting school in the fall um, and have lots of questions about how the school uh, districts or their days or their weeks may look different this year. Definitely a little bit. Um, you know, what are some of the signs that your children may be struggling with anxiety or depression? You know, I, I think that all, all kids are going to be different, but, you know, sort of as a rule of thumb, you're going to see it in three different ways in children. You're either going to notice sort of their, you know, their internal dialogue shifting and maybe a change in behavior. Um, and so, I mean, it really can be, you know, it can be on a number of different fronts, you know, whether they become more withdrawn or, you know, whether they're acting more fearful about things, more inhibited, you know, less excited to try things, you know, and a lot of that is just, you know, is going to be developmentally appropriate, but a lot of it is because of fear. And like you said about a pressure cooker, we were living in sort of this, this environment of fear for so long while, while they were still experiencing other things. And so it was sort of like a, a meta anxious time. And depending on where kids were developmentally to experience that and depending on what was going on in their individual families. One, one of the things that um, I noticed with a lot of kids to, you know, some signs were things like nightmares, having nightmares, um, really, you know, things that they hadn't even been exposed to, but they just were all of a sudden having these nightmares, even parents, I think, and caregivers, adults were having that kind of um, reaction and just and that stress and and anxiety behind it. So, you know, there's all, you know, what Anna was saying, as well as, you know, those things that they might, you might notice them sleeping in your room a little bit more or um, wanting you to come sleep with them or, or having something that they don't, you know, say one thing my daughter would say is I just don't feel like myself. And, and she couldn't describe it. Um, but she just knew she wasn't feeling right. Yeah, I mean, I, it's funny because I'm thinking about this and about parents and, you know, how parents show anxiety. And, of course, I mean, I have to admit, I was really anxious about this early on, you know, when, when it first started hitting and I was just reading the news 24-7 and it started building up in me. And, and, I, and I could see it starting to affect my family just because, you know, I was a little bit rattled. And I think about that time when my oldest son, who's now 21, but he was like two, and, and there was a tornado coming right toward our house. And so we said in the hallway and the whole time I sang him the Bob the Builder theme song to keep him calm and I think it ended up calming me a little bit but does it help for you not to be anxious uh, around your kids? Easier said than done right? Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, it would be because they they do feed off of our, our energy and we're the models for them and so you know if they see us being acting a certain way then they're going to they're, that's how they know to react is, is how um how we react. So I think Rachel, Anna, and I are all, we all joke about how we're hyper aware of everything we do <laughs> because we yeah. know our children are watching. 
anxiety is so unique to different people and how they process it, which is why in the book we, um, we talked about Lala losing her nerve and the cat in her book is actually a nerve. And to some that might seem like an odd concept to us as, as counselors and counselor educators, it was like an opportunity to attach nerve um, to anything a child is, is feeling because anxiety is an accumulation of lots of emotions, stressors, fears, um, even even our positive emotions. Uh, and so I think that that's one of the really unique things, too, is that when we think about processing anxiety, and I'm doing air quotes right now, we also have to think about what that looks like in terms of uh, as adults. I call, I call it we adult brain it. And then what it looks like when children, and I can give you a great example, Marshall, is you know, my son Judas is, is two and a half years old and he went to the grocery store really for the first time a few months ago. And when we were there, he was wearing his mask and he looked at me and said, mommy is so many people. And there was this moment where I was like, oh, this is, you know, him displaying a little bit of nervous behavior or something's different. And so that gave me the opportunity to have that conversation with him and, and talk about how you know, things are starting to change and people are wearing masks at the grocery store and then people may start to take masks off. And so um, I think also when we're talking about anxiety, I just want to bring it right back to the book that that we, we don't specifically use the word. Well, I think we do use the word anxiety at some point, but we like to tailor it in, in the word of nerve so that then kids can attach their own personal feelings and meanings to what that looks like for them. That's that's actually quite brilliant. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we return, we'll continue our conversation with authors Rebecca Milroy, Rachel Whitaker, and Anna Selby about their new children's book, Are You Masking? Remember, if you have a comment or questions for our guests, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Hey, stay tuned. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center and host of Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking. Join us as we explore issues that relate to you and your family, from mental health obstacles and family interactions to handling life disruptions. Whatever the issue, let's try to figure it out together. You can listen live Tuesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Good morning. You're listening to Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. You know, have you lost your nerve? Well, today's show is perfect for you. Today we're discussing a wonderful children's book titled, Are You Masking? Feelings About COVID-19 with co-authors Robica, Robica Milroy, Rachel Whitaker, and Anna Selby. Uh, if you'd like to be part of the show, we'll give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. That number is 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. We, we've talked a little bit about the book in the last segment, but I, now this is the segment where we're going to do the deep dive. So go ahead, give us the uh, elevator pitch as if we're going up 110 stories. Uh, go buy the book today. <laughs> oh, I, you know what? I love how you think. That's perfect. So, okay, where can we go buy the book? 
Um, you can go to the book baby to their bookshop. Um, you can go to Amazon and Barnes and Noble and just type in, are you masking? And it should come right up. Well, well, very good. Tell us a little bit about the book. You've, you've told us a little bit about the book. So tell us a little bit more about the book. Um, I think it's a great idea. Uh, it brings it down, like you said, to, uh, to kids level and to help counselors as well it's just i mean how did you get the idea and you know where did you get the idea for the character and everything else well um rachel and i had actually been talking about writing a children's book for a a long time and um we wanted of course anna to to be in in there too and she's got she has um her english degree and uh education degree and everything and um, great ideas as well. And, and of course, you know, having three counselors heads are, are better than one, that's for sure. But, um, anyway, and so we, we all love each other and we're all, we always say, you know, love you more to one another. And that gave us the idea to start, um, doing a publishing group, um, called love you more books. And, um, and then we had been talking about different things and COVID happened. And I, I was noticing a lot about how my daughter was, reacting to things and she has very big emotions and very big reactions. And we um, noticed how, again, how we had the TV on all the time. And uh, just like you were saying, Marshall, you know, we had the news on a lot and that was really affecting her and we didn't even realize it. And so I started thinking about the story and we all started working together to come up with this idea. And then like Rachel was talking about earlier, the the idea of personification of the nerve, losing your nerve. And, um, and so I started writing and then we started collaborating and the book was born. You know, there's one thing I know about stress and chronic stress and chronic PTSD and everything else with children is if if they feel like they're trapped and they don't feel like they can get any resolution to it, that's where it seems to cause more long-term damage than if something stressful happens and they can work their way through it. And it sounds like this book allows kids to be able to look at everything that's happened in this last year and to be able to say, okay, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be able to, I can work through this. Tell us a little bit about the plot and how it, how it does that, how it manages to help kids be able to get their nerve back. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the story starts out um, with Lala realizing that everything just shut down, which is very representative of the very beginning stages of the pandemic. And then it walks through um, where she's trying to connect with her friends and she's having all of these big emotions and feelings. And so she is trying to connect with them virtually or through iPads. And and then she realizes that her friends are nervous and scared too. And then the story kind of splits off into multiple children and kind of what's going on at their families. You know, parents working from home, um, the fear of a mother getting sick with COVID. Uh, And so as you walk through the story, then, you know, Lala addresses her concerns with her parents um, and then she starts to talk and process about how her, her friends also had feelings surrounding COVID that were different from hers. Um, and even though they were different, they were all the same, that they were having big feelings and emotions, and they just didn't know how to articulate that. And I think when one of the things that is so important um, to the three of us is when we give um, children vocabulary and words to use around different big emotions, 
um, that's when they become extraordinarily resilient. And so um, that's kind of the short the short end of you know the recap of the story. And there's some beautiful um, illustrations that kind of help articulate these feelings, like with the cat actually being the nerve. Um, and then there's different animals that are attached to feelings. And then if you'll notice, as you move through the book, it goes from very dark to light, kind of simulating her kind of coming to an emotional awareness, which one of the words that we used in here was emotional walk, which is very much a, a counselor word, um, which we think is something that, that kids should be aware of, is um, asking their parents to help them with their emotional journey or their walk through an event or a series of events or um, whatever it might be that they're going through. I, I can imagine, because if kids, like I said, if, if kids don't feel like that they can work through a problem and they feel like they're trapped, that's when really the long-term damage begins, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and I think the, my favorite part of the book is at the end where Lala is saying, like, find a, a counselor, a parent, a teacher, or a friend, someone that you can talk to. And then we also included journal pages, which is the brilliance oh, of, cool. of Rebecca, because her daughter does a lot of journaling, and it's been extraordinarily powerful with her. And so there's questions um, that the child can ask themselves or the parent can ask the child, and they can draw um, or they can um, journal out their feelings tied to the story. Well, let's do some of the nuts and bolts in the book. Um, what came first, the plot, the characters, whatever? And um, with the three of you working on it, what was the process like for you working on it? Ooh, um, it was, well, The I just started writing, um, and and we knew that we wanted it to be, a, it's, a, it's a poem format, um, a rhyming format, and so we knew we wanted that. And, um, and so I just started working on it, sent it to Rachel and Anna, and we just kept working and working and working. And um, this was definitely a learning experience as we worked with uh, we're trying to get a, an illustrator and um, then publishing it and, and all that. And so it was, it was a long process. We were actually hoping that the book would come out last December, but with all the nuts and bolts, as you say, it actually took a lot longer, which we'll keep in mind for the next ones um, as we, as we work through those, but but yeah. And, and so then started, we started adding, you know, the illustrations to, um, to the book and it just, it really came together and, and we're really proud of it. Craig from Biloxi is on the line with a great question. Hey, Craig, welcome to the show. Hey, uh, good morning. I was wondering what tools that uh, you use for, for like home remedy tools. Uh, I use exercise and uh, breathing technique or some of my best, uh, like especially when I quit smoking cigarettes, I had some anxiety attacks, and, and they're pretty traumatic, you know. All right. Thank you, Craig. Um, Craig, thank you for your question. That's a great question. Um, you know, the breathing, absolutely mindfulness, um, doing things like a mindful mindfulness nature walk where you take a moment, you're listening, you use your five senses to um, – notice what you hear, feel, um, taste, et cetera. Um, obviously we're going to always say, talk to a, talk to a counselor. Um, and that would be our <laughs> number one thing with anxiety because that's, um, I can tell you as a, as a therapist, I know we all have gone to therapy and it's, it's such a beautiful experience. I know from my personal experience. And, um, I think journaling, which is something we have in the book is also such a huge tool because a lot of times our anxiety, our worries are all jumbled in our head. 
And to be able to write it down or draw it out using art, using, I think exercise absolutely is a great, great method as well. But being able to write or draw um, is helpful um, experiential stuff too, where, you know, I have my, I have kids throw um, Play-Doh at a wall and they're not hurting anybody. They're not hurting themselves, but they think about how upset they are or at the floor. I do that with classroom guidance a lot and they love it because, and I'll hear them say, Whew, that felt so good <laughs> um, just to be able to get that, that because it's, you know, anxiety is such a physical thing too. And so when we're, when we, when we're feeling that physicalness, we have to get it out in, in obviously a physical way and we don't want to hurt ourselves or anybody else. Um, so that would be one thing I would say. Yeah, Craig, thank you for your question and congratulations on um, stopping smoking. I know that uh, smoking cessation is directly linked to um, lower anxiety. So congratulations um, and kudos to you. Uh, you know, I think, again, like I said before, um, anxiety, stress, uh, life work balance, these are all different for each individual. So one of the things that I always tell um, my students, my, myself, uh, family, some friends that we have to check in with ourselves, you know, and um, we have to be mindful of the way that we talk to ourselves, the way that we talk to others uh, and, and practice things that, that help us calm down. Uh, five, four, three, two, one tactics, um, taking deep breaths, um, all of the things that Rebecca mentioned, um, you know, it, it, it sometimes sounds kind of uh, hippy dippy, but being really tuned into yourself and um, even being mindful, you know, my, my, app, my watch tells me all the time to like slow down and take a deep breath and, and just taking a, a time out essentially for yourself can really kind of help you check in uh, so that you can um, address certain things in your life in, in a more productive um, and authentic manner that feels, you know, better for, for you. And, um, and Anna's having a little bit, Anna, can you hear? But, but she does want to mention, she was saying that, um, you know, she wants to make sure that we talk about how important it is to normalize fear and anxiety in kids by giving them the words to use. And even for adults, yeah. when you're experiencing it and then being able to engage in a relationship with anxiety, talking to it, challenging it. And it, it also might sound a little silly, but to say, but, you know, a lot of times with, with kids, we, I ask them to um, draw out what their anxiety looks like and name it. And then you can talk to it um, and, Adults can do it too. It's not something that's just for kids. So I think that's an important point that Anna is talking about is, is to, to, yeah, to normalize it. Um, and again, like she's saying, give the, giving them the words is so important with any emotion, um, which I think we, we talk about in the book too. No, I, I was just going to reiterate what Rebecca and Anna were both saying. You know, there's a page in the book that says, Lala, Lala's nerve every now and then sometimes wants to leave. She talks it out with her parents now and her nerve she can retrieve. So this nice. is an ex example of, of that. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Who was your illustrator? How would you find your illustrator? Well, uh, just tell us a little bit about that because, I, I mean, I've, I've done a children's book, and I know that the illustrations really do set the tone, you know, and everything, how important that is. Yeah, we um, we actually went, um, another uh, Millsap's friend was, who has written a book, she told us about the this children's author group on Facebook, and so we just put it out there, and, and this one group, um, Codex Art and Apparel, they uh they sent us their illustrations and it was so i just 
I fell in love with it and it was this whimsical look and I sent it to Rachel and Anna and they loved it. And, um, and so Felicia De Rosa is the actual artist. Um, but we, we worked, I guess, as a whole with, um, with that group Codex Art and Apparel. And I think they're out of Minnesota. <laughs> they're in the North somewhere. <laughs> we wrote it Marshall then we would like think okay what does this visually look like and then we yeah. kind of powerhoused on zoom because this was in the middle of the pandemic right and we just kind of wrote out what we thought um we saw in our head and then they kind of brought it to life which was really kind of a cool process and then we would go in and make edits and then they had you know very artistic lenses to add to it um as did Anna and so that was kind of what brought, I think, the story to life is really kind of the, the picture behind the words. Yeah, we definitely have to yeah. give Anna a lot of credit for seeing that vision and then really getting in there and, and saying the dark to light and the um, and really taking a look at some of the characters and and, um, and and how those emotions look with the art and all of that. Um, so it was really it was really a great process in that that respect. Yeah, I love the way that you, you know you use everything, all kinds of visual tricks to be able to get mood across and so forth too. Which I mean, that I really can't wait. I can't wait to get my copy of it. And I tell you, um, you know, to be able to work with an illustrator like that, and it is, it's been really a fun project. It sounds like for your next projects that you're going to be working on, that you you're having all these kids illustrate everything, talking about their feelings. I don't know. I, I see a potential book there too. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Cheap illustrators, Thank right you. there. There you go. Yeah. So I'm always thinking about these sort of things on that. Let's talk a little bit about your, your next series. And I know what's what's next for y'all. What What's the next book? Well, the whole series is Are You Masking? And we're going to do it in different different ways. So the next one we've been working on is Bedtime Fears. Um, oh, wow. We've definitely seen a lack of that. And Rachel can definitely speak to it right now um, with Nighttime Fears. and um, And it's something that's very normal. Um, something Anna mentioned too, that she wanted to say, you know, the purpose of anxiety is to protect us. Um, but sometimes yeah. it goes into overdrive. And I think that's absolutely hundred percent correct because, you know, somewhere between first, fourth grade and even younger, um, it, they, kids just have this feeling of that somebody's going to come into their house. Somebody's going, there's somebody's going to kidnap them or a burglar even worse. And so, and I was looking for some kind of something because my daughter went through it. Um, and I, I was looking for resources and I was like, there's nothing out there for, for kids like that. And so we started talking about that. So that's what we're working on right now. That's a brilliant idea on the book. And boy, that's true too. I remember having, I used to think space aliens were going to get me when I was a little kid and you know, it didn't never <laughs> happened. But it's funny, my nighttime fears now as an adult are much different. Now they involve the IRS coming through the window, not, not, not space aliens. <laughs> well, I currently uh, apparently have monsters and ghosts that, that um, are taking up at, uh, residence in my home, so I hear you. Uh-oh. Well, you know, you can always call the Ghostbusters. They'll they'll come and take care of that a little <laughs> bit true. on that. But um, what did you learn about yourselves writing the book? I mean, seriously, that that, that this it's one of those kind of processes when you it's very cathartic when you actually sit down and, and do writing like that. Ooh, that's um, that's a good that's a big question. Yeah, <laughs> it, Rebecca, I, I know you probably feel differently. For me, it was um, I guess vulnerability. Like I I find my or I believe myself to be pretty vulnerable and open, but then it was nerve wracking to put this much kind of time. And then the fact that we had been talking about this since we were doctoral students, which was a 
a long time ago. And it kind of, it was a dream that started to kind of evolve. And then it was all the hours and time that we put into writing the story and the illustrations and then the money, um, you know, to get the book out there. So there's this, this moment of what if people think that we, you know, lost our minds, what if, you know, and they don't like it. Um, and so, I mean, even I've had friends get the book and I'm, I'm nervous cause I, I want them to like it just because I've, we've put so much effort into it, but then also like, I know that I can't control if they don't. So I guess for me, it was a little bit of vulnerability there and being nervous. And, you know, I, I started kind of marketing it on Facebook and we had a lot of love sent our way, which was amazing. But we also had people who hadn't written, had not, you know, read the book and just made assumptions based on the mask on the cover and, had some pretty um, ugly things said to us. And so there was that moment of, oh my gosh, like, I don't want to do this, you know? And so for me, uh, it's definitely a vulnerability piece. Putting a, a little bit of your um, your work out there can can be a little bit nerve wracking. So yeah, I, I can that. tell you from experience on that one. So <laughs> definitely. Absolutely. And, and I would say the same. Um, and in addition, I guess this doesn't have to do with me, but the support that we had of our family, our friends, um, that, you know, they, I, I guess I can say this, that they would love it no matter what, because they're so proud of us and so excited for us and want our, our autographs and, and all of that. So I think the vulnerability, but also being comforted in the support that we've, we've had as we put this out there. And, um, so I think that's, that would be my, my thought. And I know Anna's having a hard time getting back on, but, um, well, this is your chance to talk about her. I mean, to be honest with you, <laughs> she's wonderful. We can't say anything bad about her. <laughs> okay. Well, you had your chance. Definitely. Um, well, I definitely would love to have your autographs. I, I I'm excited about the book and I'm very happy for you. If, like I said, I, if I had a dollar for every time somebody said, I'm going to write a children's book and they never did it, I would be able to retire. It just happens all the time. So to be able to have the courage to sit down and do this, but to be able to do a book that means so much right now is awesome. And I think it's worth repeating where, again, can people get this book? Yeah, Book Baby, uh, Barnes and Noble, and what was the other one? Amazon. And Amazon. And you can find us on Facebook. Um, are you masking? We post the links. Um, we're also going to kind of build up our, our social media presence and allow school counselors to actually use like guided lessons that support our book. Um, oh, so we great. hope that people reach out and tell us how they're using it and if they like it. Um, give us any advice as we move forward because we want to make this a series of Are You Masking? And so that was not just because of COVID. It was just kind of coincidental that Are You Masking feelings and emotions? And then this just kind of was our jump start with, with COVID. So. Yeah. And Rachel came up with that name. I have to give her credit. And she said that. I was like, oh my gosh, that's brilliant. And, and it's, and Facebook pages love you more books. Yep. Oh, excellent. Very good. Oh, well, thank you so much for joining us today. And we've come to the end of another great show. I want to thank y'all so much for being with us. Dr. Robika uh, Milroy, Dr. Rachel Whitaker, and Anna Selby for Dr. Anna Selby for joining us today. And if you'd like to hear the show again or any past episodes, you can listen to our podcast on your favorite podcast platforms. Now you're talking is production of MPB Think Radio is produced by Michelle McAdoo. So stay tuned for Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit with Josie Bidwell. And join us next Monday at 10 a.m. for more great conversations on MPB Think Radio. Y'all have a great week. <laughs>